in this episode of the Live Damn Well podcast. The more quality sleep you get, my heart rate variability is higher, right? So you want a higher heart rate variability. And essentially that means you're more in like a parasympathetic state, right? Instead of being all jacked up instead of pathetics or fight or flight, right. uh, which can cause, you know, immune dysregulation, all these things if, it's, if it stays chronically high. So with better sleep, you have a lower resting heart rate, you have a higher heart rate variability, which means you can work out harder now, right? And because you can work out harder, you're gonna see more adaptable changes, right? You're gonna see, your, you're gonna get healthier overall, right? That's what right. we know, what's what exercise does. But this is the problem is that when people don't get great sleep, right? And then they start exercising. Well, now you're putting your body into overdrive. Where did that gray area go, right? Where did it all go where we could say, hey, let's use the best conventional techniques. Let's use the best osteopathic techniques, right? lymphatic drainage, things like that. Let's right. use the best naturopathic techniques where, oh, maybe we should treat the gut. Maybe vitamin D is important, right? Mm -hmm. And when you put all the best together, you get more personalized medicine. And isn't that what we all want? Like, I always tell doctors, I was like, hey, if you were sick, would you not want personalized medicine? Or would you just want to get treated like the masses? Welcome to the Live Damn Well podcast. My goal is pretty simple, to bring you both sides of the story in a cancel culture world where open conversation seems to be nearly impossible, especially in the sciences. I hope to bridge the gap between ancestral living and modern medicine, using the best from both worlds to inform how modern humans should live for optimal health and wellness. By interviewing experts in the fields of evolutionary biology, neuroscience, metabolism, exercise physiology, epigenetics, and beyond, I hope to tackle the topic of health from as many angles as possible to make this podcast into an amazing resource for anyone looking to improve their health. Thank you for joining me. Dr. Darish, how are you? Good, Jorge. How are you doing, man? Good, man. It's nice to have you. So I was stalking your Instagram like I do with all of my other guests. Um, and I was looking into your background. You're a physical medicine and rehabilitation resident. You've been a TEDx speaker and you have your own podcast as well. So yeah. tell me how you got into uh, how you got into medicine. What drove you to go into medicine? Ooh, yeah, that's a loaded question. So let me start back uh, back in the day. So, you know, actually in my TEDx talk that I gave, I talk about um, we had a class project in, in third grade and we had a write down, like we had a write down 10 answers to a list of questions. And one of the questions was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And without any hesitation, I wrote down neurosurgeon. And the only reason why is because I knew how to spell it. And like my ego was driving me to be like, yeah, I'm super <laughs> smart, right? Like no one else knows that the E comes before you in neurosurgery. So uh, I've always been interested in the sciences. Um, you know, I, I was always good at math science. And that's kind of what drove me um, to kind of pursue something in that field. And then Actually, I was thinking pre-dentistry. So I got accepted to Temple University's pre-dental program. And within the first semester, I realized, you know what? I don't want just an oral focus. You know, I want, to, I want a whole body focus. I love physiology, especially exercise physiology. And so I, I switched over to the med program. So I, it, was, you know, it was kind of set in stone there thinking that I am going to become a doctor. And then I didn't make it through that program, actually. So then you know, I eventually had a two-year gap year and uh, trying to figure out how to get into medical school. I still wanted to do it. Um, eventually got in. Um, and from there, it was kind of just like, all right, this is, I guess I'm in medicine. But what's interesting is that I really didn't understand why I wanted to become a doctor until my intern year, last year. And it was like, literally, as I'm working with patients, the thought came to me and it was like, you know what, like, I just freaking love creating connections with people like strangers, like I love adding value to strangers lives. And 
you know, that, that, that's what my Instagram's about. That's what I'm about. I just love trying to help people elevate. And, you know, it's something I didn't realize when I was 18 and trying to go to, you know, applying to these medical programs uh, for undergrad and then applying to med school. But that's, that was essentially it, man. When I, when I look back at ever since a young age, I just loved helping random people and meeting people. And I'm a huge extrovert. So kind of, kind of just all came together. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. I, I was also, I also saw something that was, that was very interesting when I was looking through Instagram, you follow a lot of the same people I follow, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, <laughs> that, that to me is, is like, oh, wow, that's super interesting because a lot of the people I follow have totally different opposite opinions and like opinions that are like way far out sometimes mm -hmm. um, of the mainstream, right? So my question to you, because I deal with this a lot, um, this like internal conflict of trying to see, you know, what actually is, what actually is true? What actually is, you know, how do you decipher fact from fiction from all of these different um, accounts? So how do you, how do you go about that's doing the battle, that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's the battle. I think, you know, it comes down to, so I give everyone a chance, right. When I follow. And again, I, I've, I've come to know your work because we, again, follow the same people and you kind of bring on the same people to your podcast that I, I would. Um, and so I look at their posts, I follow for quite some time and I kind of see what, how are they explaining concepts, right? Cause a lot of the people we follow are trying to also add value to other people's lives, whether it might be nutrition, exercise, diet, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I try to see is the context is what matters. Right. And I think context will always matter over content, right? Cause anyone can write anything, but as long as somebody's willing to reply to comments and say, Hey, this is what I meant by this. Don't take it the wrong way. And they appreciate the gray area of what life and medicine are and what the body is then I start to see value in it, right? Because I'm not going to be yeah. ignorant enough to throw anything that's so far left out. I mean, we've seen crazier things, right? We used to think bloodletting back in the day was okay. Right? <laughs> and, and, and we know it's not. So that's kind of the first thing I look at is, is how accepting are they of the gray and knowing that, hey, they could potentially be wrong in what they're saying, but they're willing to find out, dig into the research and also just look at credible sources or, you know, whatever it may be, which nowadays, what is a credible source, right? <laughs> like, that's, it's, yeah, it's to tell, so. that's true. That, that's so spot on. Um, that's actually yeah. also what I found is like, if you, if you see these overarching blanket statements that are black or white, that yeah. are just like, this is the cure to everything. This is the one right. thing that is going to do everything for your health. I like, okay, I'm done. That's yeah. Yeah. I turn off. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's a reason why I don't follow a lot of people on Instagram, man. I see a lot of people following like, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people. And I'm just like, I, I really, I'll give people a chance, but I'm not afraid to unfollow just because I like to keep my feed either motivational, inspirational, or really like something of value where I can take what I just saw and also try to teach it to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I think with this whole COVID, um, so COVID situation, uh, there, there was a lot of that going on that made it very, oh, very clear which accounts I, I wanted to keep following, which accounts I just yeah. simply just followed just so I could see like the other side of the perspective. Right. Um, and it was, and it was kind of on both sides. Like I do follow a lot of people who are um, totally pro-vax. I follow a lot of people who are totally anti-vax and mm -hmm. it's just like, it is, it is tough to, um, it is tough to find out what really is, what's really going on. Um, and so that's, yeah, yeah, that's part of what drives me. And I know it's, uh, I can tell it's, it's what drives you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 
after seeing all of the stuff that you've done so far, and you recently did a TEDx talk, how do you have, how do you have the time to do all of this stuff, man? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, wondering. yeah. So, ah, oh, yeah, that's tough. So for me, I, I don't want to say medicine was on the back burner for me, right? Because it obviously can't be if I'm taking care of patients and I'm, you know, last year was up to 80 hours a week doing work. But what, what I've come to realize is the culmination of success or what people might con construe as success is developed over time, right? So it comes down to the daily habits you do like little by little, right? So meditating every day, reading about 10 pages every day, getting a workout in, right? That's like, I wake up and the first thing I think about is like, how am I going to get my workout in? That's like mm -hmm. non-negotiable, right? But over time, you start to open up doors, right? When you get to create these successful habits, quote unquote, um, you start to get more confidence. You start to reach out to people, but you know, nothing's built overnight in a way. So granted, when you don't have time, of course you can't build an empire, right? But what you can do is build a wall in your house, right? Put a chair together. And over time, that house will be built another time, another house. And over time you have a village, a town, a city, and it keeps getting bigger. Right. And I think that's the key is that too many people are looking for that overnight success. And I think in today's world, especially we're seeing so many like Evan Spiegel, right? 24 year old, youngest billionaire to ever make it. We're, we're, we're caught in a society where we're taught that the younger you are, the, the more success you should almost have, right? And we need to come back to that reminder that most successful people, it doesn't really come until 30s, 40s, 50s, until you keep working on your craft and figuring out how to hone your skills. Um, and so for me, that's kind of how I look at it. I, I, I get by with the medicine. Uh, I don't, I don't put a hundred percent effort into it. I don't put a hundred percent effort into the gym. I don't put a hundred percent effort into everything, right? You'll, you'll burn out, but I try to stay afloat in everything so that, um, everything kind of fits together like a puzzle piece so that I can be the best doctor. I can be the best person of myself in the gym. I can be the best podcaster. Uh, you know, that's, and everything is relative to myself. Right. So right. just try to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Actually. I, I was an athlete for about 10 years, um, competitive swimmer. And oh, wow, nice. that was like a hundred percent of my identity. Like yeah. that was, that was everything to me. And I, I burned out. I, I totally burned out. Um, and that just happened like the past few years. Um, so that's, you know, I never thought about it the way you just explained it, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's tough, right? Because I think, you know, I, I, I like to think that I have a lot of breath and knowledge and a lot of things, but I lack that depth. Right. And now I'm trying to figure out as I look in a functional medicine and integrated medicine, lifestyle medicine, how do I gain that depth, but not go so far deep that I'm like, Oh, I regret this. I kind of want to do something else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of my fears is I'm so afraid to go deep into something thinking that it might not work out. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's almost that, 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 that struggle I, I deal with. So, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And that's actually a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you, you had a, you had a post a little while ago that talked about like, Hey guys, I know you, there's some people on the allopathic side. There's some people on the natural <laughs> medicine side, but like we, the, the, the overarching goal is to help people. Why can't we just get along? Right. Can you exactly. expand a little bit on that? Yeah. I mean, I'm in conventional medicine, right? So as an osteopathic doctor, technically conventional a lot of people will say, oh, well, you're osteopathic. So you do some voodoo medicine. So I'm kind of in that gray area already to begin with, right? But more so on that conventional side. But I have a huge, huge passion for healing people naturally with foundational, you know, with foundational treatments, using things like Ayurveda, using things like lifestyle intervention, right? You look at the six pillars of, um, you look at the six pillars of lifestyle medicine and there are things like nutrition, exercise, sleep, um, supplemental kind of thing. So using that to our advantage as well. And, you know, one of the things that popped up to me is that 
90% of almost the ailments in the healthcare system are from chronic issues, diabetes, COPD from smoking, uh, heart failure, right? These are all things that are preventable. And this is what puts the burden on us, right? And we're all trying to help these patients out. But what if instead of doing reactive medicine, we did more preventative medicine, right? And conventional medicine is great at reactive medicine, right? Like there's nothing we would do if, if, if we didn't have surgery and things like that. And definitely some of the medications that we have, just look at the vaccines and things like that in COVID. But this is where naturopathic medicine and functional medicine really play a hand, right? We're looking at the data. We're looking at this obesity epidemic go crazy. And we're now starting to say, well, how do we teach people at an earlier age to be healthier so that they don't have to necessarily go through conventional medicine? And so my goal in that post was, again, like, like you said, with COVID, we're seeing this divide. People are either like all integrative and all conventional or, or sorry, all integrative, all functional and all just like uh, natural ailments, or they're all conventional and, oh, there's no room for functional. And where did that gray area go, right? Where did it all go where we could say, hey, let's use the best conventional techniques. Let's use the best osteopathic techniques, right? Lymphatic drainage, things like that. Let's right. use the best naturopathic techniques where, oh, maybe we should treat the gut. Maybe vitamin D is important, right? Mm -hmm. And when you put all the best together, you get more personalized medicine. And isn't that what we all want? Like, I always tell doctors, I was like, hey, if you are sick, would you not want personalized medicine? Or would you just want to get treated like the masses, right? Today, I had a patient who was like, why am I eating a heart healthy diet? First of all, if, if you've ever seen food in, the, uh, in, the, in a hospital for like diabetics, it's like all sugar. If you see it for heart healthy people, it's just all carbs. Like it, they're not even, they're not even representative of what <clears throat> people should be eating. Right. And it's because we're treating for the masses. Like there's no way to individualize in a hospital. Um, right. And so I don't think, I don't think most conventional doctors get that exposure or that experience to what personalized precision medicine is. And I think that term precision medicine, personalized medicine, what needs to be used more, but instead it gets substituted for naturopathic medicine, for functional medicine, right? And while those are branches, again, we're focusing on one thing. How do we get the patient healthy? How would you, because I've had quite a few people on my podcast now, and they have a wide range of opinions on how you would go about doing personalized medicine from, you know, nutrigenomics to, you know, blood work to all that stuff. How would, how would you go about doing that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough question. So, I mean, I can only speak from what I've seen at least. Right. So uh, one of my mentors is a functional medicine doctor and he was actually an emergency medicine doctor for 20 years, MD started to see that, hey, same sort of patients kept coming in, same patients, nothing was actually making a difference. So he went over to, quote unquote, the dark side is what he calls it, right? Because of the, cause of the uh, connotation, but he's now a functional medicine doctor. Um, and so what he does is he, he's really about the gut. He's really about the microbiome. And, you know, a lot of the guests that we've interviewed, even like Dr. Will Bolsowich, um, uh, yeah. you know, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, Heal Thyself, they'll always talk about how the gut is so important with the gut-brain connection the uh, gut adrenal connection. Mm -hmm. uh, there's now a gut heart connection, you know, that we're starting to learn about. And we're starting to realize yeah. this, the, the gut is the command center, right? For gene expression, all these things. Right. So it's tough. I mean, I think, I don't think there's a way you can necessarily go about it specifically. I think it comes down to behavior change of the patient and understanding one socioeconomic status of that patient, how much is the patient willing to pay for, right? Because a lot of these things don't get covered by insurance. So if it's a wealthier patient, they might say like, hey, let's just get genetic testing. Let's do the stool sample. Let's do IV vitamins and all this, this is right. But if you have somebody who maybe can't afford it and 
again, a lot of these things don't take insurance, then you're looking at more behavior modification, right? You might be looking at, well, what are the things you want to work on? Is it your weight? Is it energy? Is it sleep? Uh, is it figuring out what kind of supplements you need? Is it better relationships? Is it stress? And mm -hmm. so you have to meet the patient halfway. And that's what I realized is that behavior change is what's going to drive the next step. But if you try to just overhaul them and trying to, you know, change the physiology without explanation, well, you can change the physiology, but it'll just kick, you know, it'll, it'll just kick right back to where it was if the lifestyle is not right. So I'm all about the foundations and the fundamentals. And that's what I think I've realized is keeping it simple um, is actually what does the most benefit. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I recently got, got certified as a health coach and nice. um, obviously that's like, that's totally different from a doctor. I don't tell people what to do, but I do what you just said, which is I help them with the behavior modification part. Um, and, and that's, that's totally true. Most people, I think, like you said, they know the foundations. They know, okay, let me get a good night of sleep. Um, I'm going to eat you know, whole foods for the most part. I'm going to exercise. But the hard part is actually doing it. Yeah. Then that's why I asked you at the beginning, like, how do you fit in so much stuff into your lifestyle, like as a resident? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, it, it, it comes out of small things, right? So I, yeah. I know the evidence for blue blockers, right? And this is where, this is where data gets like on my nerves, right? Because people say, <laughs> well, look at the data for blue blockers. There's no data. I was like, yeah, but they're looking at eye strain. They're not looking at circadian rhythm. They're not looking at melatonin production. They're literally just looking, does it help with the computer? Well, okay, maybe right. it doesn't. That's whatever, fine. But at least yeah. look at it in terms of circadian rhythm. I wear a whoop. And the biggest change that I've seen is when I wear my blue blockers at night, my sleep is incredible, right? Yeah. So I know, okay, I need to wear blue blockers at night. And everyone even says, right, your, your day is determined by the night before, right? So mm -hmm. if I know I'm getting good sleep, I can wake up at 5.30. 5.30 to 6, I'll do some mobility work. I will meditate as well. Okay, now I'm in a good mood. I, I got some flow going. That sets me up for how I'm going to eat for the day, right? I don't want to ruin it. So yes. let, let's focus on the salads, take away the sugar, <clears throat> get good protein in, et cetera. Now I'm going to go for my workout because I know I'm even more motivated. That's my, again, non-negotiable every day. Yep. And then once I get that workout in, it's like, all right, now I don't want to add more stress to my body. I want to kind of relax, you know, bring it down, do some work, all that kind of stuff, focus on these side hustles that we do. Um, and that's just kind of process, right? And doors start to open up uh, when you do that. But um, again, it's keeping it simple. It's, it, there's nothing crazy that we do, right? <laughs> on the day-to-day. I really keep it simple. I try to keep it edge. I try to learn something every day um, as well. I try to move every day and I try to eat healthy. Um, I try to get good sleep, keeping it simple. And uh, I think that, I think that does wonders for yeah. anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I saw a post today. Um, it was by, by Brian Sanders and Dr. Kirk Parsley. I don't know if you know them, but I've heard uh, of Brian Dr. Sanders. Yeah. Yes. I had him on my podcast um, and I want to get Dr. Kirk Parsley on my podcast. Okay. Um, he was in, he's an ex Navy SEAL and he, is very into all things sleep um, and developing like programs for how to sleep better. Um, but one of the things that they said, cause they did an interview together is that 90% and obviously I'm not really sure if this statistic like checks out or if it was just like, you know, they said 90%, but nonetheless, 90% of our chronic health conditions could be fixed by, you know, lifestyle uh, factors. And I, I think I, that's, I think, so. I think that's true. I think for the most part, that's true. Sure. Like there will be some amount of genetic diseases that can't, but uh, for the most part, yeah.
Oh yeah. Uh, diabetes, right? That's nutrition, yeah. um, heart failure, also nutrition, exercise, uh, right. COPD, smoking, um, environmental exposures. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, absolutely. I think most of these things can definitely just <laughs> lifestyle changes, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Going back to the sleep thing. So I have these goofy blue light blocking glasses here. Nice. Um, and those nice. are, those are typically for sleep. What I have right now are are more um, because I don't want to show my face in those. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but let's go back to that. So you're measuring you're measuring your sleep. Are you measuring like heart rate variability, um, other things on your on your device there? Yeah. So Whoop, um, it, it's up and coming, right? I think they just yeah. they just got another valuation. They're what a three four billion dollars, like really taking over the uh, athletic industry. So the great thing about Whoop is that um, yeah, it tracks heart rate variability. Um, it tracks your resting heart rate. <clears throat> it gives you a recovery score, essentially, <clears throat> excuse me. And then based off that recovery, it'll tell you how much heart strain you need to go through. So how much, uh, exercise you need to do essentially in that day. And it'll, so essentially it's trying to optimize to help your heart rate variability over time. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is in the morning, there's a journal that you can kind of, you know, I took vitamin D or I ate late or I fasted or I used a sauna, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's supposed to be behavior modification, right? And so Whoop has really seen a lot of improvements in, in their users in terms of drinking less alcohol throughout the month or the timing of alcohol now is not, you know, super late at night um, right. or more people start using a sauna or get more hydrated. So it's really good for behavioral change. Um, so I, I've, I've been loving the device. Uh, again, there's, there's nothing to disclose for me. I'm not sponsored by them or make any money by them, but um, I, yeah, it's been awesome. And in terms of sleep, can you cover quickly? Because you did mention a few things. You mentioned the fact that, and I think this is an often neglected one, which is it does give you like more willpower. Like during the day, you just find it easier to do harder things. What are some other things that you found? I found that my workouts would be a lot better, a lot stronger, right? So I can, I can go harder during those workouts, right? So the more quality sleep you get, my heart rate variability is higher, right? So you want a higher heart rate variability. And essentially that means you're more in like a parasympathetic state, right? Instead of being all jacked up instead of pathetics or fight or flight, right. uh, which can cause, you know, immune dysregulation, all these things, if it's, if it stays chronically high. So with better sleep, you have a lower resting heart rate, you have a higher heart rate variability, which means you can work out harder now, right? And because you can work out harder, you're going to see more adaptable changes, right? You're going to see, you're, you're going to get healthier overall, right? That's what right. we know. What's what exercise does, but this is the problem is that when people don't get great sleep, right. And then they start exercising. Well, now you're putting your body into overdrive, right? Mm -hmm. So recovery is something we don't think about often, especially in our culture here in the U S right. It's, it's always a go, go, go. Oh, no pain, no gain. Yeah. No pain, no gain. You only slept three hours. It's okay. Wake up at 3am and get a workout in. Oh wait, yep. your cortisol might be like shot, but okay. <laughs> um, so that's what I love about whoop too. It tells you when to like chill out, you know, like, Hey, it's okay to not work out today. It's okay. Like you, you really need to focus on recovery. So I just, I yeah. there's a good balance behind it. Um, so that's what, what I really noticed with sleep, man. Is I that, think, yeah, go yeah, ahead, go ahead. yeah, I think it's kind of crazy that we have to, um, you know, like look at an external device in order to tell us when <laughs> we need to rest. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, so that's a good point. So I've now, because I've had my whoop, I can tell <clears throat> right when I wake up, if I'm going to be in the red zone, a yellow zone or a green zone, because I'll just feel if I'm super rested, I'm like, you know what? I could, I could go work out right now. I'm probably going to be in that green zone. And then there's days where like, okay, I know I had alcohol. So last night I, I went to happy hour, had some drinks, um, still felt okay this morning, but I was like, you know what, even though I feel okay, I wonder 
where I'm going to be. And I was in the red. Um, so just did a light weightlifting session today. Um, and you know, I didn't overdo it or anything, but you definitely become more attuned to your body, you know, and it, it, it's, yeah. it's interesting because you need these devices to kind of learn, but then, you know, my podcast host, he used to wear aura ring and he doesn't wear it anymore because he was like, no, I don't want to be dependent on it. Cause mm-hmm. I think you can, you can learn a lot about your body and how it feels. Um, once you learn the patterns. Right. It's that biofeedback, I think Yeah, just like teaches you to be a little bit more conscious. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that would have been super helpful for me when I was, you know, in the thick of it, um, athletically, um, just because I, I became very, very numb very quickly to the signals my body was sending me. Cause as an athlete, you just, you just gotta do it. You gotta suck it up and yeah. Did you, did you swim collegiate or how far did you go? I'm not supposed to say that, but yes, (laughs) I did. did. Yeah. There's like some crazy regulations, um, but I'm not swimming now, so I can't, I can't say that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, it's brutal. It's, it was absolutely brutal. Um, I respect swimming, man. It's just such a, it's, it's a full workout, right? It's aerobic. It's anaerobic. It's like everything. Yeah? So I did, I'm a huge track and field uh, guy. And I, I, I think swimming is like the 400 meter because it's like a stamina sprint workout and it's the worst. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it did get to the point where that extreme end of the spectrum, where I think a lot of people think, oh my God, you have a six pack. Um, you're ripped. Like you were healthy. You're the epitome yeah, yeah. of health. <laughs> And it's, right. oh my God, it's totally not the case. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like with my friends, a lot of them have some sort of digestive issue, some sort of gut issue. They'll have, um, you know, I guess acne now is just like more common, but that's kind of linked back to, you know, mm-hmm. immune stuff. Um, yeah. They have, I mean, they don't, they don't sleep. Everyone's chronically sleep deprived all the time working off of caffeine. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's horrible. Man, I can imagine that dude. That's yeah. Your sympathetic drive nonstop. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I feel like if I would have had a whoop strap, I probably would have seen just like to the floor HRV. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you use any wearables or no? No, but I really do want to get some at some point. Um, although yeah. I am kind of anxious about, about my sleep, um, because I feel like I would just stress out about it so much to the point where it wouldn't be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, actually I wanted to ask you about that because recently, mm-hmm. like I had, I had nailed down my sleep, like for a yeah. while, like for like a month, it was like, I was sleeping like the best I had ever slept in my life. And to preface that for my entire life, except for when I was a baby, probably I, I remember waking up like five, six times a night. I would wake up sometimes on the floor. I would, you know, speak in my, in my sleep. It, it was just like terrible sleep always like yeah. for forever, for as long as I could remember. And then I started to nail it down a little bit and now it's not so much the physiological, but it's more the mental, mental it's more yeah. like the, the sleep anxiety. Um, like, Oh my God, I have to fall asleep. I have to fall asleep. I have to fall asleep. How do you go about dealing with something like that? It's interesting, man. So I usually only get the sleep anxiety when I have to wake up in the morning and like, I'm like, Oh shit, did I, yeah. did I, did I hit my alarm or am I going to oversleep something? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I've never had trouble kind of falling asleep, especially if okay. I wear blue blockers and I take magnesium at night. I also take reishi uh, mushroom because it gives me like vivid dreams. And I, I, I mean, I can lucid dream as it is, yeah. but it's like really gets me lucid dreaming. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. I use the life cycle brand uh, of reishi and it's, it's awesome. Um, so I've, I've never really had that problem, but you know, what's interesting. Um, 
so Matthew Walker, you know, right. Why we sleep. Yeah. Apparently his book caused a lot of people to have sleep anxiety, right. Because of the facts. And there would be like, if you're missing this yeah. night of sleep, like you're going to get cancer. Um, and Dr. John Berardi, I don't know if you follow his podcast. Yeah. Um, he did that episode in terms of like, I'm calling BS and he goes through all the science and they talk about Matthew Walker's book and Alex Guzzi, Alexi Guzzi and stuff and how to kind of go about it. But my, my, my father goes through sleep anxiety essentially. Um, and he actually went through CBT for it, uh, which seemed to help him. And then he kind of, again, didn't follow the rhythm. Um, and so what they kind of taught him was it's okay to be sleep deprived in the morning, right? If you're not getting good sleep, don't try not to take naps, try not to stress out about it. Like your body will find a way to correct itself. It just will. So when he did his sleep training, he would have a narrow window, um, when he slept. So they told him, Hey, you got to sleep at 11 PM and you got to wake up at five. If you're tired, you're tired. Don't like, don't sleep. Um, and then they would slowly increase that window until it was back to like his normal range. They also told him whenever you woke up, get out of your bed, go somewhere else and meditate. Right. So you don't want to associate being awake in your bed. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he would go meditate, focus on his breath for a little bit, try to get tired. But a lot of times his mind is racing. Right. And you start to the, the, the tough thing is when you start to notice like physical ailments because you're tired and you're like, ah, oh, you know, like we know that pain sensitivity is increased when you get a bad night's of sleep. So now you're thinking, oh, this pain, like, what could it be? This is new. Like where did this come from? Right. And so you kind of go through this vicious cycle, but just to remember like, Hey, your body is trying to work with you. Um, meditate, calm down, try chamomile to chamomile tea. Actually, I, I found to be really nice because yes. it's gabaergic. So it actually works right. with GABA receptors. And I think Tim Ferriss, what he does is he does honey with apple cider vinegar, like as, as, as a tea, um, which I think like produces some serotonin or some GABA stuff. So That's I've tried it a couple of times actually last year. Uh, I think it it's worked. worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's weird. It does. That's I think it also just gives you some vivid uh, like dreams and stuff. So, oh man. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to write down the apple cider vinegar and honey thing. Um, yeah, I'm going to try that out. Um, Cause I know like, having such bad sleep and then getting into health, I just like went all in yeah. trying to figure out like, what the hell is wrong with me? Why can I not yeah, fall asleep? Yeah. Um, and one of the things which would make sense about the apple cider vinegar and honey, when you, when you have all of your carbs at night, that can help you in like induce sleep because right. your cortisol goes down as your blood sugar raises. Um, and then right. I'm thinking about the apple cider vinegar that might just be like, I don't know, blood sugar control something, yeah, maybe something with that. <laughs> really, um, I really don't know. The chamomile thing is also super interesting. That's actually like crazy that you bring that up because I just bought a whole bunch of chamomile tea nice. like today um, because nice. I was going to, I was just going <laughs> to steep like, like three tea bags into one, like um, I like it. a little amount of water just to try to knock myself out. Um, Synchronicity, man. I'm all about the, uh, yeah. the deja vu and the connections and there's, there's, there's a reason we're doing this. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you follow, do you follow Joel Green? Joel, yeah, Joel immunity Green, code, right? the microbiome, yeah, immunity code. I need to read his book, man. That's like next on my list. Um, yeah, I, I haven't read it yet. I started reading it. <laughs> to be honest, it's it's um it's very cryptic. It's got a lot of here. grammar errors. Like That's what a I, lot of grammar errors. He has a new edition out though. I think that correct, like okay. a second edition. I, <laughs> <laughs> fixed all that up but I, I heard there's a lot of yeah. like, grammar errors because yeah. like i started reading it and i was like what is what? this <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um oh, but but cool protocols um i followed okay. a few of them honestly haven't noticed too much of a difference um okay. but i haven't really like followed it like step by step by step as he right. usually does i kind of skipped around a little bit um 
but he's the one who brought apigenin, um, which is found in chamomile tea to my attention, mm, okay. which can help to sleep. So yeah, gotcha. that's why I was wondering about that. Um, yeah. Okay. So you read a lot and you yeah. have a lot of book reviews on your oh, Instagram, yeah. <laughs> which would you say, uh, this is probably t- going to be a tough question, but like, which would you say mentally or, or just like personally was the most impactful? And then in terms of physical health, which was the best Ooh, one? That's very interesting. So mentally, I would say David Goggins can't hurt me. Right? Oh my like his, his story, effing <laughs> unreal, right? It's just He's like, crazy. it's crazy. Um, so like, dude, I, if I'm like, if I just need some motivation, I will listen to his podcast episodes with Joe Rogan. I think he has like two or three. Yeah. And like, dude, I'm enamored every time. I'm just like, dude, this guy is straight badass. <laughs> like, oh my God, I want to, I want to be this guy. Right. <laughs> but it's just, he's just motivating the sense of his life and everything like that. So the listeners out there, his, his audiobook is also fantastic because it's, it's a podcast slash audiobook that he does. So mentally, I would say that, um, in terms of like optimizing, I would say, uh, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. So Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors. Like I just love quotes. I love advice. I used to write a lot of poetry and stuff like that and like metaphorical stuff. And I think the people he interviews are just people who have gone through the grind, had lows, had highs, but just can offer amazing advice. And so, you know, it's a thick book, but each chapter is essentially uh, a snippet of a podcast recording he had with that guest. But there's just so many golden nuggets in that book. Like it's a book that you can just read a chapter every day for the rest of your life over and over and over. Um, and then he also has Tribe of Mentors, which is essentially the same thing. Okay. And as far as personal development kind of stuff, I would say How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, that book really taught me kind of just how to network, how to kind of get what you want as well, and just how to be like a friendly, amicable person, right? I think uh, a lot of us are taught in their, in our culture that you almost need to be like a dick to kind of get ahead and do all these things. And, but, 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 but there's also a right way of kind of going about creating value and meeting people, um, and having good conversation, you know, so how to win friends and influence people classic by Dale Carnegie. Um, and then health wise, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, man, this is tough. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, fiber field was great by Dr. B. I think, you know, really learning about gut health through that was, was super awesome. Um, you know, I, I need to get back more into the health stuff because I heard Circadian Code is great. I've heard. Right. Um, I have not read that one yet. Yeah. I, uh, Sachin Panda's work I need to go through. Yeah. Um, Immunity Code I need to read just to like learn the science. Just to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like just, there's, there's so many, you know, I need to read David Sinclair's lifespan. Haven't done that. Oh yeah. Um, so there's just so many out there that I'm like, oh, what do I say? Like, Why We Sleep was great too. I mean, I'm sure his newer edition obviously corrects all the errors that he had. Um, but that really taught about sleep. So I don't think there's one book that I would say is like over encompassing all of like health. Um, but those are the two that I would say like, oh, definitely made a huge impact in kind of how I eat or just, just lifestyle changes. Yeah. No, Tim Ferriss is like an encyclopedia. Oh, it's insane. He knows, he just knows so much. Like he's got videos on everything. Yeah. He used to have a show, I think that was like, can Tim Ferriss learn this in one week? And he would just like try to be a grandmaster, like in one week or learn like a crazy language in one week and he's all like that's what i love about him he's just like testing the limits about optimization and really trying to unlock like human performance and just like being the best version of yourself right so right I, enamored by uh, tim ferris <laughs> that's sick i i need to I'm, I'm gonna read those books i i need to get oh them. yeah i have like a stack of books that i just have half read at this point but i'm gonna yeah. keep going um yeah fiber fueled i 
So there's a lot of, do you know Carnivore MD, Paul Saladino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I really want them. I don't know if they've done a live de- debate. Uh, Will, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last yeah, name. Yeah, Bolsewich, yeah. Dr. Bolsewich. Dave, yes, there, yeah. yeah. Um, him and Dr. Saladino, I don't think they've done a live one. I think they've done one where they like recorded certain parts yes. and someone put them together. Um, but that was that a mind pump, be, I believe, yeah. Yeah, mind pump, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be amazing because right now I'm kind of like, at this point, I used to be like, okay, yep, vegetarian. I want to go vegetarian. This is the thing. And then I went all the way to the other side and I'm like, oh no, this dude's saying like organ meats yeah. are the best thing ever. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's interesting, right? Cause I think Paul Saladino is starting to go back from the extreme a little bit and it's like more recent interviews and he's like, yes. okay, I'm going to put back some vegetables and things like that. So, I mean, I think he's still mainly carnivore, but he's not like, oh, a hundred percent now where that's, that's the answer. So yeah yeah absolutely i think like again like you said and we keep going back to this point but like personalized medicine i think that's why i love listening to so many different people different perspectives like you have you have dr b who who is very much plant-based advocate Mm -hmm. right and then you have paul saladino who's like no this is gonna lectins inflammation whatever all that stuff um but i think both have such value Mm -hmm. but value to different people and that gray area that we were talking about, that context. Right. You know what? And they're both willing to listen, right? Like that's what I love the most. Like they're willing yeah. to get on podcasts. They're willing to hear differing like advices and they're willing to change. Like Saladino, I think went on that John Berardi show. And I think it was like with Lane Norton and Lane Norton was kind of just yeah. saying like, Hey, Paul Saladino, this, this. And Saladino was like, okay, well, let's get on a podcast together. Like I'm willing to learn. Um, yeah. And that never happened. But like that, that, that's what I'm super appreciative about is like these people who create value are also just like not super ego driven, right? Like they're also willing to just learn from people. Um, so yeah, it's super interesting, man. And I think the other thing, like veg- like Walter Longo's research, right? He kind of yeah. says, eat what your ancestors would have eaten, right? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, and he, he brings up the example in his book, um, the longevity diet, like if, if I'm Indian, I probably should not eat quinoa because it's South American. Right. And again, I don't know, there's not like much value to it, but he talks about like, you should eat the foods of which your genes that kind of come from. Um, that makes sense. So yeah, I was just like, super interesting, yeah. you know, and like optimizing for that and for your genes and things. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people, I think don't realize how much the genetics just plays a role in this. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just does. It just does. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, a lot of you can't control, um, but you can just try to optimize and do the best you can. In the past few years, I've become fascinated by the history of food preparation. In most cases, processes like fermentation, soaking, sprouting, and charring weren't just for taste, they were functional. Modern science has now shown that all of these processes help increase bioavailability, reduce harmful plant chemicals, and allow our body to access the nutrients within these foods more readily. Dr. Bill Schindler, professor of archaeology and a previous podcast guest, has packaged this ancestral wisdom into several live and on-demand online courses. From making sourdough bread and pasta to cheeses and learning how to butcher an animal, Dr. Schindler's courses teach you how to prepare foods like our ancestors, all while making them as delicious as possible. You can find the classes at eatlikeahuman.com and get a 10% off discount code using code LIVEDAMWELL. Now, back to the show. Right. Yeah. I do think there's some value to that. Um, eating what your ancestors ate, although 
it's it's tough sometimes because we're now so globally interconnected that it's like oh if you have like like for me um you know like cuban mexican spanish mm-hmm. um and then if you go back far enough you know somewhere else in europe so it's just like mm, what does that mean what does that mean exactly right right yeah. and i just think like you know people love to talk about like oh how we were back in the day as like hunter gatherer and i'm like what you do realize like we evolved as a species for a reason right like mm-hmm. our intellect allowed us to get to where we are now and so sure some of the physiological mechanisms are still going to be the same but like i truly don't believe we're just like hunter gatherers still and our physiology is exactly like that and that right. we need to abide by those rules like there's a reason we figured out farming and how to be more efficient and the wheel and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We keep going. Like this is part of the human journey. So, right. Yeah. 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 Something that, that does kind of worry me about going, um, you know, going from the hunter gatherer to going to agriculture is that, well, for, for one thing, the density of our, of our bones has gotten like lower as we progress. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously like due to a, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I don't know if you follow Dr. Stephen Lynn, he's a, yeah. he's a dentist. Yeah. yeah. He talks yeah. about this a lot. Just like mm-hmm. the chewing of foods that aren't hard anymore, just like aren't developing our airway and aren't developing like our facial structure. Yeah. 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 Dude, it's like, crazy. Even like talks about breastfeeding, right? Like it, in the U S culture, it's like, you, you don't, you don't breastfeed your kids till five. And then you look at the Africa, right in Africa, these African kids are breastfeeding to like five, six, and they have these perfect jaw lines and teeth and, structures <laughs> and my brother's yeah. a dentist and he's just like yeah man it's like that's <laughs> there you go yeah 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 and then you have like dr uh was he a doctor weston weston a price i don't think he, he was a doctor he was a dentist um Not weston joking. a price yeah he was a canadian dentist in like the 19 1960s um i want to say and he went and photographed in different like indigenous cultures he went and photographed the teeth of different uh tribes people and what they ate i've heard about this yeah okay. yeah and what he found is that just one or two generations after they started adopting the modern diet, their teeth went to shit wow. and their health went to crap. So when they were eating like organ meats, and this is like part of, I guess, Saladino's um, argument here yeah. is that um, when you had these tribes, people eating those nutrient rich foods, um, they had like perfect, beautiful teeth. Um, and they're there, uh, you have this, this iconic picture actually, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll put in the show notes, um, is you have this three generations of people. So you have the first generation is like the grandchild, then you have the father, then you have the grandparent. They look almost identical. It is crazy. They're all ripped. Wow. They're all just like perfect teeth. Um, and then contrast that side by side with, with, uh, with people who started eating sugar and refined grains and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different picture. Wow. That is, yeah, that's interesting stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. The oral microbiome, now we're learning so much about that, right? We were so focused on the gut microbiome, yeah. which is still relatively new. And now we're like, wait, the oral microbiome can tell you a lot about the diseases that you're having, right? And yeah, I mean, in medical school, we only really learned like, oh, you have bacteria. Okay, that can cause endocarditis, right? Like that's really the only <laughs> thing we know. And like, that's the only oral healthcare we know. But, you know, definitely with Dr. Stephen Lynn, I think uh, Mark, I don't know his name, but Ask the Dentist is his handle. Yes, I think I know. So he's, a, he's a biological dentist. Uh, yep. Mark B is, is I'll say yep. his last name is B. Uh, he talks a lot about, yeah, that kind of stuff too. So, yeah. Do, do you, do you think that oil pulling is beneficial? Cause I've heard differing opinions on that. So I've heard it is, and I actually use Therabreath, uh, as my okay. mouthwash. So I don't use Listerine anymore. Cause again, it can 
crush the oral microbiome. I haven't used mm. Listerine in almost a year. So I use TheraBreath. My brother's a big fan of it. And the main ingredient is coconut oil um, in TheraBreath. Um, so I'm assuming <laughs> just because like my brother's dead as he uses it. Um, and I've seen, he's seen people with good results with it too. So, um, and I think it's, it's more helpful for your, the environment that your oral microbiome's in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, we've, we've covered a lot so far. Um, one last question I want to ask you before we get into our rapid fire rounds, what would yeah. be your advice? Cause we've talked about like, how do you decipher like factual yeah. fiction with so many different opinions now and COVID has made that clear as day. So what would be your advice for younger generation like me, that's going into a health related field? That's a good question, man. Cause so many times I see people give the advice of like, do your own research and read these mm. articles for yourselves. And I'm like, dude, nobody knows. I don't even know how to read these articles. Like we don't get taught this in med school. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the older generation is like, what do you mean you don't get taught this in med school? I did this. I was like, yeah, but you're like 30 years older than me. Maybe you did this in residency. I, I'm not. So I would say you got to figure out kind of what aligns with you, right? Like keep an open mind. First and foremost, keep an open mind, right? Like we will never know everything about something. We just won't. I talk about this with my co-residents all the time, right? We think, like I said, we think bloodletting was a good idea. Mm-hmm. We even we never knew germ theory was like even a thing, right? Uh, surgical masks actually in surgery have no proof, but we still wear surgical masks, right? Like there's documented research on this since the seventies that surgical masks don't really do anything for surgical outcomes uh, in terms of infection. Right. Um, you could, there's so many things that we just are like, oh, wait, why do we do this? This makes no sense. On that tangent, on that tangent, do you think masks, those surgical masks are helpful for COVID? So there's data. If you look, if people want to look at the American College of Economics, there's a bunch of data that shows that it's not. And so I've actually had a attending physician who also told me that they don't really work. And this is kind of what I'll say is that masks work in a gold box scenario, right? So mm. you control all the environments. Let's say uh, Jorge, me and you are talking to each other three feet away and we have masks and one of us have COVID. Sure, it'll probably prevent it, right? But if you take the way that our society lives in our economic structure, it, it, it doesn't, it can't work, right? Like masks work, but they don't work in the way we live. In the real world. Um, in the real world. I mean, we're touching things, we're going out, people are touching our faces. people are going groceries, people are touching, like it's bound to spread. And while it may hinder the spread, that spread's still gonna happen, right? Because of how, how virulent COVID is. Right. And so that's kind of the way that I was taught it a little bit. And you're gonna find attending physicians who will tell you the exact opposite and be like, no, masks 100% work. Look at the data where masks are, you know, but then you can say, okay, we'll look at the data of Florida and this and the ratios yeah. and who knows, right? But yeah. I think that, that I just, I, I just think the way we live is, is, is the biggest factor for uh, how this data is going to be shown, right? So Yeah, absolutely. That's been one of my biggest pet peeves during this whole thing. It's like, yeah. oh, look at, the, look at the science. Look at the data. And it's like, which data are you talking about? Exactly, exactly. And all this data is in like gold boxes, right? Like they're controlled yeah. for things. They're not, they're not ex- extrapolated for real world kind of scenarios. And uh, yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's yeah. just the toughest thing, right? And I mean, we can talk about evidence-based medicine. And I, I always say this, me and my podcast, I say this all the time. Like people have this, quote that says the plural of data uh, or the plural of anecdotes is not data, right? right. And I'm like, that's complete BS. Like it's, it's BS, right? Because the mm-hmm. way humans 
have taken medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, into what we have as modern day medicine has been through anecdotes, right? Like right. there's a reason why we still use turmeric, for example, right? Anecdotally, it's worked. And now yeah. we're putting numbers and data and crunching it all together to see, does it actually work, right? right. And then a lot of the data is like, no, it doesn't work. And I'm like, so you're going to tell me all this time when it's been working for other people and now miraculously it doesn't work. And the problem is we're taking these, this, these data points and we're treating people, we're treating the masses with them rather than individualization medicine, right? So that's the issue is that <clears throat> anecdotes is part of the pillar of the, of the three pillars for evidence-based medicine. So you cannot dismiss anecdote, right? Anecdote is right. not the whole story. Just because one person has it doesn't mean for 99 other people, it's going to work but it works for that one person, right? And so it's important along with data. I'm not dismissing data here for people listening. Like, this guy's a doctor, what? <laughs> um, data's important, yeah. but it doesn't tell the whole story all the time is what I'm saying. And so we have to look at, you know, the general, the general picture, so. Yeah, and I think like with respect to Ayurveda, like you're talking about, that's, I think, I think a lot of, and this might rub people the wrong way, but I think a lot of researchers and a lot of traditional doctors have very big heads when it comes to looking at traditional, yep. traditional um, medicine, like, you know, oh, yeah. Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine, for example. So like most people don't even know this, right? That medical marijuana, right? Huge boom. Now everyone's trying to talk about the benefits and yeah. all these physicians that are like, oh yeah, benefit here, benefit there. Right. But nobody really knows when it first started out that in the seventies, Andrew Weil talks about this, Dr. Andrew Weil, that when, when he wanted to study marijuana and the effects, the government would only fund you if you were studying negative effects of marijuana, right? So from the get-go, there was already a negative connotation of mar medical marijuana, CBD, THC, all these things. And now we're starting to realize like, okay, yeah, sure, there's some negative side effects, but like, oh, wow, look at all these benefits too, right? And so I just want people to keep that in their mind, right? Like how much censorship there might be from above um, in terms of skewing data or skewing things one way or the other, right? And words are words. Like when people read data, I mean, there's a reason why experts, even with COVID right now are like, arguing over what the data shows because data is so complex, right? There's so many variables or so many different things. Um, and again, I think it just, this goes back to your question about the advice is keep an open mind moving forward, right? Just because you have a belief, be open to change, right? There's a quote that my podcast host likes to say about somebody else that says this is that I reserve the right to change my mind. Nobody will fault you for changing your mind, right? And instead of trying to be right, trying to try to find the right answer, right? And again, in my TEDx talk, I talked about this, the, the, the truth is ever evolving, right? The truth is always going to evolve. We'll never know the truth. Um, and so, you know, be skeptical, figure out your passion, figure out how you can add value to people's lives, but don't be afraid to change your ideology um, based off things that come out. I don't think we're ever, by the time we die, going to figure out a set ideology, right? And that's something right. I had to come to grips with, I think like two, three years ago, I was like, you know, I want to be this type of like functional medicine or lifestyle doctor that does this, this, this. And I realized like, the best doctor you can be or the best health coach you can be or whoever is, is evolving with the, with the data, with the research, with the anecdote, and just trying, at least trying your best to uh, keep an open mind. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I think um, that that's something that I've, I've also had to come to grips with. I think when I was first starting out with nutrition, it, it's interesting. There's this like confidence curve, you know, mm -hmm. on the, on the Y axis is your yeah. amount of confidence on the X axis <laughs> yeah. is yes. Yeah. On the X axis, it's the amount of uh, education that you have. When you have the least amount of education, you are, you are confident that you know, everything the experts right. have totally missed what you found. 
Um, and that was me like a couple of years ago, right? I was like, oh yeah. my God, the ketogenic diet. Oh my God, it's good yeah. for epilepsy. It's yeah. good for cognitive yeah. function. It's good for like, <laughs> it's good for everything. It's the diet. Um, and then I realized, oh, no, that's not true. Yeah. Um, and yeah. now I'm much more, I, I, I find myself requiring much more evidence to say anything. And even then it's always context dependent. Yeah, absolutely, man. I don't know. Do you, do you look at examine.com? Oh my God. I love examine. Yeah, oh, dude. It's like, sorry, my go-to from just like research and just like, oh, it makes lives, makes lives easier. So just go much easier. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's awesome, man. And like, yeah. And the other thing I would say is context, right? It comes back to context. So before dismissing people, like their Instagram post, like when I wrote that post about conventional versus allopathic, only six, that, that photo itself kind of went viral. A lot of people were sharing it. Um, but a lot of hate came with it and be like, yeah, well, you know, and I'm like, okay, you, people got to realize on social media, there's a character limit, right? I'm not going to write a three-page essay on Instagram. I'm going to yeah. try to get out my thoughts as best as I can. Right. But if you have a question, if anyone has a question about something, don't be afraid to be like, hey, can you explain this a little bit better? Or can you tell me about what you think about this, right? And that's how you start discussion. And when it comes to COVID and vaccines and things like that, I don't know if you watched the Z-Dog video about like vaccine mandates. Probably, yeah. Oh, amazing, right? I, I like 100% agree. I mean, I'm just like not a fan of mandates because there's no education behind it. We're not trying mm. to, we're not, con we're, all we're doing is telling people like, hey, you need to get this because this will work, right? And what he says is, we also told people get this because you no longer have to wear masks. Oh, now we're wearing masks again. What kind mm. of message is that sending people, right? Right. And it's, it's literally not even about a vaccine. It's about behavior change, right? It's about mm -hmm. how do we convince people um, to get something that could be effective, right? right? And you don't you do not do that by scaring people and fear mongering and telling people what to do, but it comes down to honest conversation, being honest about the data, being honest about the future and what we don't know, right? I think we all need to be more humble, especially government and the FDA and CDC and experts and be more humble. And if we don't know anything, that's fine. Like at least we're being honest. And that's how you start to get groups together and, and get better discussion. Yeah, I think people are... are myself included really sick of just all of the oh my god another wave or you know like a new variant and uh, it's just like uh, it's tough man i mean there was a good time like where i just did not want to go on instagram because i'd be like oh, here we go this like, again yeah, yeah. <laughs> like somebody's saying this somebody's saying that and I it's know. just like funny man i see so many physicians just being like this is what the science says and i'm like dude you did not even read a paper like you do not know how to read a paper did not read these papers like these experts do like just because you're a physician, you feel like you have a platform. Yes, use it for good, but be genuine about it, right? Like have an honest conversation rather than just being like, yep, this is it. I'm brainwashed. Let's do it. Like, ah, oh, it pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you think, like, I don't know if it's just like, if it's biased because I'm seeing it on Instagram, like every time I go there and it's just like Instagram amplifies the effects, but yeah. it seems like it's so common that you see physicians doing that all the time. I think it's like an identity crisis. Like if you're not on this side, you're on the wrong side. And mm. I think it elevates people's platform a little bit too, right? Is just be like, right. yeah, I'm with science. Like it's, it's, it's edgy. It gives people become a rebel and be like, well, I'm standing for the right thing. Even if people don't want to follow me, like I'll get more, you know, like, ah, <laughs> like it yes. gives you that almost sense of pride rather than just sitting back and being like, listen, if people have questions, I'll gladly answer them to the best of my ability, which is why, like, you know, I even told you before, this, like, I'm not an expert on COVID. Like, there's no way I can explain the data or anything like that, but I can tell you perspectives. I can tell you from a healthcare side of things, like what people are seeing and what we think. Um, I think that's what it is, man. I just think it's tribalism at its finest. Like people just want to feel like they're part of something and 
it's too much, right? It's too much ego. And, you know, I was listening to Sadhguru. I don't know if you follow him. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, yeah. So he, he had a really good, like, two-hour talk with a lot of influencers that recently came out on YouTube. Um, and he kind of talks about tribalism a little bit and just the ego and how we, like, as a, as a nation, just need to get away from it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we think that we've, we've, we're past that, but we're totally not. It's just taken yeah. different forms now. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, Dr. Darsh time for the rapid fire rounds. All right. Okay. <laughs> so what is the most important habit you personally do every day to support your mental and physical health? Uh, workout. That's a non-negotiable. Yep. Even if it's a light workout, workout. What is the most important lesson you've learned recently, whether it be from a podcast, from a book, from a life lesson? Context matters. Context over content. All every day, all day. <laughs> what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Read earlier, read more. <laughs> I need to get on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, where can people find out more about, uh, about you, uh, social media, yeah, absolutely. So Instagram is probably where I do most of my stuff um, at doctor.darsh. It's doctor spelled out and then dot darsh, D-A-R-S-H. Uh, Twitter at doctor underscore darsh, uh, again, spelled out. I have TikTok. I rarely use it. It's also doctor.darsh. <laughs> and then um, if you, if anyone wants to see my podcast as well, it's called uh, at me uh, nah, medicine redefined um, is the podcast name. And that's again, Apple, Spotify, wherever people want to listen. Um, and if they want to follow the account for that, it's at med redefined on any social media platform. So. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about. Yeah, whole man, bunch this of is awesome, stuff. Dude, I love this. It's, it's great meeting like-minded people talking, you know, and then just like open discussion, like we're having, you know, this, this is what it's about. Please, as always, share this episode if you find it helpful and leave me a review on iTunes. I would be happy to know what you think about it as long as you leave me a five-star review. Thank you for listening and see you in the next one.